What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Ben and Chris Talk Sports. I'm Chris. And I am Ben. And we're here to bring you our opinions on the news, notes, and happenings from around the world of sports. Episode 116. Fun show planned for you. A lot of football, as usual. Hopefully we'll be able to keep that up because, you know, football football is our first love when it comes to podcasting. But, you know, it's going in the off season, so we're going to have to find some other topics. But we'll, we'll be just fine. Stick with us. Don't worry about it. Baseball news, however, to start the show. Trevor Bauer, show favorite. Signs with the... L.A. Dodgers. L.A. Dodgers. Not the New York Mets. Sorry, Mets fans. Three years, $102 million. Apparently, he has opt-outs after both years one and two. And for the first two years, should he not opt out, he will be making more than uh, the combined roster of three separate Major League Baseball franchises at $40 million and $45 million respectively. Um, I mean, he was Mr. I'm not going to sign a multi-year deal, but he did, and I can't blame him. I'd sign that contract too. But, uh, I mean, you surprised he went with the Mets? You surprised he didn't – or not the Mets, the Dodgers. Didn't go with the Mets, didn't go with the team where he could kind of join some younger up-and-coming guys and really prove himself. Kind of went for the, the ace in the hole, the defending champions, and went – Eh, I'm just going to go sign there and win a championship. It seems like it was more so the uh, environment as far as location. Sure. Um, he's a Southern California guy, so apparently that was his uh, real dream. Uh, it would have had to take a astronomical offer from the Mets to really push him to go to the New York Mets. And I don't think the Padres tried to dip into that market, and obviously the Angels didn't make a – a splash either trying to sign Bauer. I'm not I'm not really surprised on how he signed. This seems to be kind of where he wants to go. And it gives him full control. And I think that's the biggest deal, the biggest takeaway from this is Trevor Bauer has full control of this. Uh, he can pretty much do whatever he wants for the next three years. And if he feels like he can make 50, 60 million dollars a year after the first year. Then he'll go back out on the market. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I tend to think he's going to ride out the first two years and then be on the open market after that. $85 million for two years? Yeah. I, I find it very difficult that he would opt out. I mean, look, he got this contract going into a year when teams are going to be strapped for cash more than usual because of, you know, all the, the, the COVID not having fans in the stands and all that. You know, revenue that's not there from the 2020 season. And he's still got 40 and then $45 million next year. So by the time he's ready to resign or opt out after year two, if he does, uh, these teams are probably going to be at least financially recovered to some extent. And he's still going to be young enough to sign a big deal if he avoids injury. He set himself up to make a lot of money. And for anyone who thinks uh, the Dodgers – I mean, they are over the luxury tax, but they're technically a first-time offender now, which is less, you know, less to deal with. It's extra money, but it's no draft picks yet. The big takeaway, Clayton Kershaw and Kenley Jansen, I believe, are coming off the books at the end of this year. That's huge. But factoring in Mookie Betts and Trevor Bauer, uh, it's, it's huge for those two to come off. There's no doubt that even if they come back, they'll be under 
extremely lower contracts. And then Walker Bueller, unfortunately for him, is still basically when Trevor Bauer's three-year contracts, if he if he goes the whole way, Walker Bueller will still, I think, have a year or two of arbitration. Well, the Dodgers also love to print money and, and spend money. So it wouldn't wouldn't surprise me at all if they say, especially if they don't plan on re-signing Kershaw, if they go to him with a year or two in arbitration and say, let's just work out an extension right now, a long-term deal. Let's just do it. It's not, you know. If he goes three or four years pitching like, like he has, and he's not injured at all, no injury history really, you're going to lock that kid up for a long-term deal. If not, he's he's going to make bank. If not, if he continues at this pace, he will have one of the larger contracts in sports history, without a doubt. Oh, yeah. He will, he will probably surpass Garrett Cole's contract of last year uh, signing with the Yankees. Was it like 9 for 326 or something? He'll surpass that. Uh, anything else on uh, Mr. Bauer, or you want to move on? No, no I'm good. I'm, I'm just sad to see him being on a uh, West Coast team. Yeah, uh, I would have loved to have seen him in a Red Sox uniform, but I had a feeling real early on that wasn't happening. So. No. All right. Unfortunate bit of news. Uh, former NFL head coach Marty Schottenheimer uh, has passed away. Uh, I wrote really bad reporting on my part. I did not get the age. I believe it was 77. Uh, 76. 76. Okay. I thought well, I heard. Apologies. I, uh, I, I did not get the age. I just saw that and I was kind of surprised. So he coached many, many years in the NFL, uh, the Chargers, Chiefs, and Browns. Overall record of 200 wins, 126 losses, and one tie. That illustrious tie. Um, never won a Super Bowl, unfortunately. For all the talk about Marty Ball, he was teams were not great in the postseason. Uh, but I mean, he's 200 wins. I mean, that that, that puts him in extremely rare company. Oh yeah, I mean he 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 could put together a nice regular season team, but as you said. Just couldn't pull it off in the playoffs. I mean, his best team with the Rivers at quarterback and Landanian Tomlinson in prime years, mm-hmm. Tonio Gates prime years. They still could not, could not get. Unfortunately, it's usually the same suspect. It was the Patriots kind of being that firewall to prevent them from getting into the Super Bowl. So it, it sucks. He had some good teams in um, Cleveland. And then what was the other team he played for? Uh, the Chiefs. He had some good teams with the Chiefs. Uh, again, just never a team that could just put it over the edge. No. Um, yeah, it's always sad when you see a legend pass. Uh, but he, he had a great career, and he will be remembered. Uh, I believe he's an NFL Hall of Famer, a Hall of Fame coach. So. I believe so. Uh, yeah. If not, I can't see that not happening. Uh, with 200 wins, there's just no way. Uh, not trying to uh, have a cute transition here from Schottenhammer Hall of Famer to the uh, Hall of Fame this year. So he put something in between it because I just didn't feel that was right. The NFL salary cap has uh, been, uh, I don't know if it's actually been announced or if it's just like the expected amount has been announced. I don't know if it's official or not. It won't be until. Uh, yeah. Uh, but beginning of March. It's kind of like they know what it'll be, but they can't make it official because they got to dot the I's and cross the T's, whatever. Right, right, uh, right. It's expected to be around 170 to 18, 175, excuse me, to 180 million. 
Uh, this is lower than previous season, uh, we, which we expected due to COVID and lack of revenue, much like we mentioned with baseball. Uh, but it's not as low as some people thought. So, I mean, if you're the Saints and you're, you know, $100 million below <laughs> over the cap already, then, uh, you know, it's not going to really matter to you very much. But if you're a team like the Jets or even a team like the Colts or the Patriots or a team with some cap room, uh, that's that's really good news. Yeah, it gives you a better barometer right now of where you can plan ahead, where you can allocate money. And also, and, and I don't want to dig too deep into, you know, our Patriot offseason, um, but because we, we usually talk about that off the uh, podcast. But don't wait, wait, wait. Haven't you heard? Doesn't matter what we do. Oh, because Tom's, Tom's already. Tom, 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 Tom Brady was the system and that was it. Oh, like, oh. <laughs> it was never Hall of Fame defensive players. It was never a Hall of Fame coach. It was never. It was just Tom Brady and that was it. I Which, think we'll. Good. I think we'll dig into that a little bit more at the uh, the end um, on how this game turned out. Uh, but I definitely think this is going to put teams in position, like you said, that have that cap space. They're going to be looking at those other teams, the Saints, the Eagles, teams that are just hurting so bad to, to cut cal- salary cap. You're going to have prime players on free agency just sitting there thinking that, you know, that one-year deal to just get me by so I can make free agency next year in hopes that everything clears up and we can have a regular season, that salary cap goes up, and then all that money just flows right back into the salary cap. It's going to be a good season for those teams that have set up – have set themselves up for uh, – big amount of cap space yeah as of as of right now yep with the projected this is projected at 180 million uh the jags have 77.5 million the colts have just over 69 million the jets have just under 68 million and the patriots have about 63 million and then there's a drastic drop off to the washington football team at just over 39 so you have four teams right there that have Real good money to spend. And like you said, there's a lot of guys who aren't going to sign that long-term deal because they're not going to get that kind of money they would have prior to this year. So you're going to see some, you're going to see some odd faces in new places. Yeah. And and I think the strangely enough, Chris, the Jags are having an advantage because we know who they're taking at quarterback. We know oh, yeah. who they're, yeah. we know. So they're almost the fixed dollar amounts with that first overall pick, they know what pretty much it's going to be. So now they can build their offseason that way. Whereas you look at the the Colts and the Patriots specifically, they may need to spend a little extra to get that that starting quarterback because they both desperately need a starting quarterback. That That's not a non-negotiable for the offseason for both of those teams. Yeah, they need not only a starting quarterback, but they need – the guy who's going to be the starting quarterback for at least the next yep. three to five years minimum. And you, you can't just, you can't just hope that you can fix somebody that's broken. And then uh, there's, there's different degrees of broken, but I mean, take Cam Newton. He can't throw anymore. No. So 
a player like that who's just broken and can't can't do it anymore is not the answer at quarterback and is not going to satiate whatever fan base they're talking about. And if you look at the Colts, that's the team that needs a starting quarterback, just like a certain uh, team that won the Super Bowl needed a, a start legit starting quarterback to put them over the top. Yeah, we saw the difference that made for them. So I think – I think you're going to see teams like the Colts. I don't think it's any question the Patriots are going to have an aggressive offseason. Uh, look, they only went after Cam last year because – or paid him a million because they had zero cap space, which is a reason they couldn't re-sign Tom Brady. Uh, and, you know, Brady didn't want to take another discount. And I can't blame him. He's been taking discounts for 15 years. So, um, you know – they, they, they're going to have the money to go out and get somebody um, who's available. Uh, it's going to be a different story. We're, we're, we'll have a chance to really break into where we think certain people will end up and who is actually going to be available based on team salary caps in future episodes uh, because there will not be a whole lot of new NFL news for at least a few months. Uh, not enough to at least consume an entire show. So we need our football quota, of course. So we have to, um, you know, we're gonna we're gonna break all that down for you in the coming months. But uh, I know we didn't talk about that, but I know we're gonna do it anyway. So I figured it was okay to throw yeah. that out there. I know, That's I know, I never have to convince you to dig through a cap and try to find the good and the bad. <laughs> so <laughs> it's never anything. We could talk about that. We could have a four-hour show on just that right now. So um, yeah, but it, it's gonna be interesting, and you're gonna you're going to see a lot of shorter term deals for bigger money than you normally would have before. But, um, you know, just, just no more Kirk cousins deals. My God, no more 30 million guaranteed for a mediocre player. That's just awful, but it wasn't my team. So it's fine. Yeah. Okay. Anything else on the cap or you're going to move on to the hall of fame class of 2021. I I am fully ready for the hall of fame class of 2021. I know you are, and uh, I am, I am we have, stoked. Is John Lynch a, uh, a first ballot? I don't uh, think so. No, I don't think so no. either. Well, he, he could have been. I wouldn't have a problem with that. Uh, safety, John Lynch, Buccaneers, and where else did he play? I know he, I know he technically played in New England, but he never actually played for us. Uh, Denver. Um, Denver. Oh, Denver, of course. Jeez. Uh, Tampa and Denver. Safety, John Lynch. Uh-huh. Uh, obviously, Peyton Manning. No, no question. First time, boss, you first ballot Hall of Famer. It was kind of funny with some of these guys because they're trying not to be like arrogant. Yeah, and they're showing the clip of when like the Hall of Fame. The, I forgot his name, but the the guy who you know tells him he was there yeah. inducted, and like you tell Peyton's not surprised. I mean, he knows. He knows how damn good his numbers are. Like, he knows he's a Hall of Famer. And he sees him and he goes, oh, wow, this is so surprising. He's trying to be humble. But it, it's kind of funny. Uh, Peyton Manning and, of course, uh, Megatron, one of the greatest receivers of all time. Could have challenged just about every receiver record imaginable. Maybe not Jerry Rice's, but just about every other one. Calvin Johnson, uh, first ballot Hall of Famer, deservedly so. I think that's it, Ben. Anybody else? No, 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 no. Anybody else? No, 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 no,
one of the greatest players in NML history, the 2009 Defensive Player of the Year, the 1998 Heisman Trophy Award winner for the from the University of Michigan. And the reason you're a Wolverines fan. And the reason I am a Wolverines fan, Mr. Charles Woodson is a first ballot Hall of Famer, deserved so, played for both the Oakland Raiders, the L.A. Raiders, and the Green Bay Packers. He won a ring with Green Bay, right? He won. A, he is the uh, he is the reason why Aaron Rodgers has a Super Bowl ring. Well, I think there's other players on that team also, but no, 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 no. Well, we he can't discuss later. We can't discuss later on how Tom Brady wasn't the only reason the Patriots won, and then say Charles Woodson is the only reason the Packers won. I am. We got to be consistent. I am openly admitting in this part. I am biased towards Charles Woodson. Okay, well, there we go. You know what I do like about this, Chris, though? What's that? About this this, this voting system. I think we've talked about this before. It, it's not about the percentages. And I don't know if they, they don't let out the percentages of who got what kind of votes. But it's just, hey, this is the player, and they're in. And whether they're first time, you know, whatever – they, they give us, you know, a breakdown of finalists, but then they break it down further into the actual winners. I like the way the system is because it doesn't hold this air of – they're not gatekeepers. Right, it, right. It, it gets back to the – you know where it gets back to, the BBWAA yep, and their, yep. their percentages and, and how they have to have – it's not about – the people inducting the players. It's about the players who are being inducted. And that's what I like about the NFL and the NBA. It's just about the players getting in. And that's all I have to say about that. No, you're absolutely right. I agree a hundred percent. And when you get the percentages, it's almost like there is a hubris with the BBWAA where it's uh for those of you who haven't heard Better Eyes rants on that particular organization, that is the Baseball Writers Association of America, and they think they're bigger than the game. Uh, and obviously they're not, because most of them, if not all of them, have never played. Um, but neither have we, and we're sitting there doing a podcast. So I guess I guess you got to be fair about that. But yeah, I agree with you about the NFL, uh, and I believe uh, NBA. And NHL do it the same way, right? Where it's not, I believe so. It's not a percentage it's, thing. Where it's not like, okay, that's a problem because if you have a player who's borderline, and he has like like Kurt Schilling, despite all the nonsense surrounding Kurt Schilling, whatever you believe him, you like his beliefs, you don't. That, that's not for discussion right now. Seventy-one point one percent, I believe, he got this year. Kurt Schilling's a Hall of Famer all day. But because he wasn't nice to a bunch of reporters, 29.9% of them are going to say he's not a Hall of Famer because they can hold that over his head. Right. And it's really nonsense, and it's unfortunate, whereas in football, like you said, you have a vote, you go to a guy, hey, this guy, Hall of Famer? Yes. Okay. Then Peyton Manning, Charles Woodson, uh, 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 Calvin Johnson, John Lynch, there were several others – and I don't mean this disrespectfully, they were not quite the caliber of those players from a stat standpoint, and they haven't really, they're not really players in recent memory. Maybe yeah. Alan Fanica was 
Uh, great offensive lineman for quite some time. Uh, but everyone else is kind of f- f- from, you know, past generations of the game or they're not just the marquee players those guys were. So we focused more on them. And, and but, I think, Chris, like, we have to be consistent. And we can be – we always try to be consistent. And there are pitfalls with the NFL sure. Hall of Fame induction. Case in point, T.O. should have been a first-time Hall of Fame, uh, first ballot Hall of Famer. He wasn't. I think he had to wait like two or three years, and multiple other players who are of his ilk, but not to the level like like T.O. is probably second or third on the list of the greatest wide receivers to step on the field. Oh, you're talking about the physical dominance he had on the field when he was in his prime, almost unmatched. And if you want to, if you want to talk about his antics, Randy Moss had the same antics. It's just the difference was the post player career. Randy Moss turned it around and he got first ballot hall of famer. T.O. It took a few years. So let's, I, I don't mean to think that, the Hall of Fame for the NFL is, is is perfect. It's not. But they're a little more consistent, and it's not about the voters. It's about the players. Exactly. No, no one ever no one ever claimed they were perfect, but you're hundred percent right. It's it's it comes down to like when <laughs> when Derek Jeter didn't get voted hundred percent, which even as a Red Sox fan, a guy who cursed Jeter every time he stepped onto the field. Right. The man was a Hall of Famer, 100%. And <laughs> it was more about, ooh, which writer didn't vote Derek Jeter 100%? Or which writer didn't vote for him and made him not get 100%? Excuse me, I said that poorly. Right. Instead of Derek Jeter got 99.89 whatever percent of the votes. Like, that's what it should have been. Right. Derek Jeter got an astronomically high vote. He deserved He's the first ballot Hall of Famer. One of the great players... Of his generation, hands down. And, but what was it about? It was about the writer who didn't vote for him. And who was it? Where was he? Who gives a damn? Jeter got in. It's his moment. Let him have it. No one cares about the writer. We'll care about you when you write an article about him being inducted. Like, not when you decided to withhold your vote so you could, you know, be a talking point. I don't know. And that's about that's about the gist of it, is yeah. to be honest. All right. Moving from the Hall of Fame to... Some players and who will more than likely and some who will definitely be future Hall of Famers. Uh, we're talking, of course, about the NFL Honors Awards given out uh, during the same show that the Hall of Fame class was announced. I didn't actually realize they did it like that. I didn't even realize it was on until you started texting me about it. And then I was like, oh, okay. Turned it on. It was very entertaining. Um, How do you want to do this? You want to just run them down and just, talk about just, it? or Yeah, we'll just run them down and talk about it. All right. Uh, after after I got off the Patrick Mahomes bandwagon, uh, I and Ben both chose Aaron Rodgers as MVP, and he was the league MVP. Uh, ben and I nailed the Offensive Player of the Year as well, Mr. Derrick Henry. Defensive Player of the Year was not undeserving, but a surprise to both of us, Aaron Donald of the Rams. The Offensive Rookie of the Year, nobody and I mean nobody who watched a single down of football this year was surprised. Justin Herbert of the Chargers. Defensive Rookie of the Year. Uh, it's always the defensive players that get us. I guess like I was saying before we started recording, there are just so many different dynamics and intangibles with defense than 
offense because you can base offense a lot more on stats, pure stats. Right. Uh, but defensive rookie of the year, Chase Young of the Washington football team. Comeback player of the year, Alex Smith, hands down. Uh, every time I see that highlight video of him coming back in his rehab and I see the condition his leg was in, my God, man. Oh, I can't even imagine what that dude was going through. Uh, coach of the year. Uh, ben, I got you on this one, buddy. I got you, you on this one. Uh, I, I would have been okay if you were right. You chose Ron Rivera of the Washington football team. I'm a huge Ron Rivera fan, but I picked Kevin Stefanski of the Browns, and it was Kevin Stefanski of the Browns. Uh, and then we had uh, the award that I personally think is one of the highest honors, uh, the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award, which every team nominates one player, and it is for outstanding contributions to your community and charities and volunteer work. Uh, it's really an award that we can really be proud of. Not that they're all not, but there's just something different about an award for stats and an award for you know humility and humanitarianism and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Um, but uh, Russell Wilson of the Seahawks. Uh, I mean, I don't think anybody listening, even if you don't like Russ on the field, as a human being, it's pretty hard to dislike the guy. Uh, he won, deservedly so. Congratulations to him. He uh, he takes over the mantle there for Calais Campbell, who won last year. And it was funny just seeing the size difference in those two when they were standing apart from each other, but still close to each other. It was It was pretty funny. Because Russell looked like he could have fit in a Calais's pocket, honestly. Um, and Russell in pockets is going to be a conversation for later on in the show because there's a problem with that too. But uh, what about these awards? I mean, what what surprised you? We know what didn't, obviously, the ones we got right. But I think I think we're both going to go with the same one that we found very surprising. All right, I gotta say, um, I mean, I, I think it's defensive rookie of the year. It's... Oh, okay, we're not going to agree then. That's good. It'll be no, giving us more content. Oh. No, I, I think it's defensive rookie of the year. I mean, Patrick Queen. It, my my issue is is Chase Young had a portion of the season where he didn't wasn't very productive. Not his fault. He had an injury, right? I think. And then you kind of got me on this bandwagon of Patrick Queen, and I feel like he was the most consistent defensive rookie throughout the season. And I, I just I, I know Chase Young had some highs, but so did Patrick Queen. So I, I don't understand. That's the one I just don't understand the most is is Chase Young over Patrick Queen. I I mean I, I agree with you there, but the one I had the hardest time with was Aaron Donald winning over TJ Watt for defensive player of the year. Look, this is no disrespect to Aaron Donald. He is an insanely good player. He's a menace on the defensive line. But this is the second year in a row T.J. Watt should have won. Last year, Stephon Gilmore won. And look, love Gilmore. He's a Patriot. I was glad to see him win. But I'm like, dude, over T.J. Watt? Over some of the other players we mentioned? We didn't even have Gilmore on our list. No. And he comes out and wins uh, on a team that had a lot of very good defensive components around him as well. Uh, so no disrespect to Gilmore, but I don't understand why he won over Watt last year or a couple other players. Uh, and I don't understand how Aaron Donald won over TJ Watt. JJ Watt po- put a post up on Twitter very, very, very quickly after it was announced Donald won and not his brother. 
And, you know, he said, I'm not trying to disrespect Aaron Donald. Love Aaron Donald. Great player, great guy. But just look at the numbers. And it was a chart of every impact stat a defensive player can have. And TJ Watt had Aaron Donald in all but one of them. I think, like, forced fumbles or something. Uh, Donald had him in. But Watt had him everywhere. And they both have good defensive players around them, so it's not like they're, you know, a man on an island. Right. Uh, I, I don't understand it. Um, I hate to say it, but part of me thinks it's almost like for the relationship with EA and Madden and the NFL comes into play. Yeah. It's a lot better to sell games and get merchandise when one of the missed members of the 99 club and Aaron Donald is your defensive player of the year. Because if he wins it, uh, TJ Watt wins it and not him, then that could hurt you. I don't know. I, it's, I, I hate, it's a stretch. I hate to bring it down the rabbit hole like that. I really don't think that's it, but it makes you think, it makes you wonder though. I would say, this is what I would say, Chris. Um, I, I didn't, have that mindset because Xavier Howard was kind of my choice and he was a little bit of a outside of the box kind of pick but you know how I go defense I kind of like to go outside the box a little bit because as you said we we have troubles with this one right I think I think what it was is the production went down uh, precipitously between when Devin Bush went down and then um who else went down? Uh, uh, Bud Dupree. And then, uh, unfortunately, I think the replacement for Devin Bush went down. And even the guy they got, that got, was traded from the Jets to the Steelers uh, missed a game or two. So it was basically at one point just JJ uh, TJ Watt. And it took him a couple weeks to kind of figure out how to make an impact without having those extra pieces, much like Joey Bosa, Nick Bosa, keep that name wrong. Nick Bosa did last year when a couple of his teammates went out and he was trying to still figure it out. I think his time's going to come in the next year or two, because it's just, you figure out things when you're the, the, the lone man on the totem pole. And Devin Bush is going to come back. And I'm, uh, I personally don't think they should bring him back, but Bud Dupree is probably going to be back. And they're going to – oh, and you know the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're going to bring in other linebackers that are going to be impactful. He's going to – it's going to pay dividends for J, uh, to T.J. Watt. Yeah, and I mean – just to clarify my previous statement, I, I'm really not trying to suggest there's some kind of EA Madden conspiracy to get Aaron Donald the trophy. Like, he doesn't deserve it. He does. He's a phenomenal player. But when you see the numbers line up next to each other, and like you said, he lost a couple of key components around him that kind of made his job easier, and he still produced. It just makes you wonder what the people looking at those stat charts are thinking and why it's the second year in a row somebody who is is big time on a game that's a huge moneymaker for them right uh gets it and tj watts sitting on the sidelines it's almost like if it's a toss-up eh, give it to the guy we can make some extra cash off of it's not it's not crazy chris i'm gonna admit it's not crazy it's just aaron donald's been doing it for a little bit longer it's one of those 
remember all-star games for a while the player would get in the all-star game not by the merits of what he did in the first half but what he's done over the career right yeah yeah yeah. it might be one of those instances but i think tj has built a in a short time such a a stat machine that i think in the next year or two you're gonna see him win a defensive player of the year and then it's going to be hard to knock him off that totem pole much like much like his brother at one point yeah uh, he, he's a great player and uh, i think he should have two right now but i mean again you look at aaron donald's body of work and say oh you don't deserve it of course not uh he's it's not disgraceful that he won it just kind of makes you wonder it's two years in a row and it, it's you know one of one of their one of their 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 money makers on Madden got it over him when it was close, and it's just I, it's a head scratcher. But congratulations to Aaron Donald. Don't mean any disrespect by it, but it's it's I don't know. It just seems weird to me. I think you you have a stronger argument last year with Stefan Gilmore because oh yeah, that, there was more yeah there was way more of a gap last year for sure. It just seemed weirder, but yeah, this one. I mean, Aaron Donald is Aaron Donald. We understand how much of a beast he is. Absolutely. The guy, the guy can beat triple teams. for, for Like, it, it's insane what he can do. And he actually makes players better on his team. And I think TJ Watt is going to start – you're going to start see that happen with him in the next couple of years. And that's when that next step and that ascension to the top – here defensive players is going to happen all right so moving on to something i did not think we'd be discussing on this episode what's that uh a little blurb came up i forgot what channel i was watching but it was quickly all over all of them and all i saw i saw the tail end of it and it said seahawks not looking to trade russell wilson and i was like what What? the hell did i just see i never thought i didn't even think that was anything that was put out there in the open air uh apparently uh teams had inquired uh, to the seahawks if they were interested in trading the now defending walter payton man of the year uh and without a doubt one of the best qbs in the league just below that elite level russell wilson I didn't even know this was a thing, but here's the other thing. No one's calling the Chiefs about Patrick Mahomes. No one's calling the Ravens about Lamar Jackson. No one's calling the Chargers about Justin Herbert. You don't call for a player unless there's something put out there in the open that they might be available. Now, it's not done on any formal channels because they can't do that right now. Maybe they can with trades, but I don't know. This doesn't get brought up out of middle of nowhere. If there wasn't one of those, I make it sound so shady, but essentially one of those kind of, you know, behind the curtain deals where it's like, okay, well, maybe he could be available. He seems like he might not be happy here. And then it comes out. Not only Russell Wilson, but his team, and not on the field, but his, like, his team representatives and stuff off the field, uh, have said how unhappy he is with how beat up he's gotten in his nine-year career, getting sacked so much. 
in that he doesn't seem to have any decisions making ability uh, when it comes to personnel decisions. Much like we saw Deshaun Watson get upset with, he was told he would and then didn't. Russell Wilson feels he should have the same thing. He should have some say, especially if he continues to get beat up, at least this way. If he gets a crap kicked out of him, it's players he had to say uh, say in picking up, so he can't really blame anybody. This is weird. I didn't hear anything about Russell Wilson until like the day after the Super Bowl. It might have even been that night. And then all of a sudden, every time you turn on the TV when it's NFL news, some little piece of info about Russell Wilson being unhappy. You think, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. What do you think is going on here? So clearly there is some sort of smoke. I think it's, um, I think it's, when I say team, like you just said, I think it's team related as far as his team, his, his agent team. Watch what I said. That's what I think yeah. it, it, it involves entirely. I don't think it has anything to do with the Seattle Seahawks. Because they'd have to be insane right now to trade Russell Wilson. Uh, here's here's would here's they? where I, I mean, would, would they, they do it <laughs> for the right price? Yeah, absolutely. I, here's where I stand. Anybody is gettable for the right price. It just matters what the price is. The price is what tra- what Stafford just got traded for, and then some. So you already know what the barometer is. The question is, can any team stomach trading for Russell Wilson and giving up that much? And will the Seahawks be serious enough to trade him? Where is his head thinking he doesn't have influence, maybe not directly, but indirectly, in how the team is assembled? He has one of the best wide receiver cores in the league. That's kind of why I said how it seemed weird, because he's acting like they just tell him to show up to work and he can't say anything. And I understand his line isn't great, but you can't you you can't afford everything at once. Right. Like, okay, so you're not paying these receivers big money right now. Well, Lockett got an extension, I believe. Metcalf, Metcalf's going to get paid when his time comes. Uh, your running backs are really good, but injury prone. Uh, I mean, what, what do you do about that? Do you just dump those guys to bring in somebody new? Uh, you've had respectable tight ends. Unfortunately, every time you seem to have a good one, they get hurt. Uh, and your defense has been good. Uh, it was great for a while, and then good. And this year, it was you know touch and go. Like, I almost wonder if he's saying that as to save face if he does demand a trade. Because this came out of nowhere. It did, and that's why I'm saying how weird it is. Because it's not like if Carson Wentz gets traded tomorrow. You go, oh, man, I don't know why anybody would take on that contract. Although, realistically, it's bad for the Eagles, not for the team taking it on, because the guaranteed right. money is already paid. Right. But you're not surprised. As much as you may agree or disagree with it, if Deshaun Watson is traded tomorrow, you're not surprised. You've been hearing about it for a month and a half. 
Stafford, we weren't surprised then. Goff? Told me before the last season started, before 2020 started, that Goff would be traded. I'd be kind of surprised because considering this is the first year of his contract extension kicking in. But with Russell Wilson, the guy just won the Walter Payton Manning. Wow. <laughs> I almost said the Walter Payton Manning Award of the Year. Uh, Walter Payton Man of the Year Award for how great he is in this community and what a good dude he is. And now, the day after that, we're talking about him not being happy there and wanting say in personnel decisions and the Seahawks even even putting his name and the word trade in the same sentence, even to say we're not looking to trade him, is very weird to me. And he and here's where his issue is gonna be. It's you're you're not gonna be able to improve through the draft this year. And I don't think next year either, because they give up two firsts for Jamal Adams. Right. So you can't get a first round offensive lineman. So by default, he's trying to influence the front office to go uh, diving into free agency. Maybe they can get something, but realistically you have, like I said, one of the best wide receiver cores in the league. Your running back system actually was significantly healthier than usual this past season. I think what, and I think, and I think um, uh, Pete Carroll said it best is they need to go back to running the ball more because offense alignment are at their best when they're pushing forward. And this will also, as, as Russell put it, will take some pressure off him by not getting hit every time. Now, will they need to do some modification with the running back position? Sure. Uh, we can't, re- you can't rely on Rashard Penny. Uh, Chris Carson, had a good season, but again, you pointed out his injury history. So maybe they need to go a different route at running back. Uh, there is some talent, but they might be out of position due to their trade for Jamal Adams to get a decent running back, a Najee Harris, a Travis Etienne in the draft. Maybe they have to go in the second, third round uh, picks or – Maybe go all in on one of these running backs that maybe get released that uh, people teams can't afford and roll your dice there. But I'm telling you, Russ needs to think long and hard before he wants to tr- get traded away from Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. Will Disley's not bad. Jacob Hollister's not a bad tight end. I'm forgetting. I'm forgetting a player. DJ Moore, or is he on the Panthers? There's a Moore, right? Uh, David Moore, I believe. David Moore, okay. And he's not terrible either. It's just there's a lot of weapons there. And do you really want to trade to another team and risk not having quite those weapons? Just to be clear, I I, I've been, I just read a few you know headlines of a few articles. Yeah. Russell Wilson isn't necessarily saying he wants a trade. Not publicly. He hasn't given any indication of that. I think maybe there were some 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 whispers that he was unhappy with his, I guess, ability to make personnel decisions. And maybe some other front offices called the Seahawks to inquire about him. 
but no, remember, exactly. he, here's a tie-in, okay? Yep. So the Chiefs are a great team right now. Right. They have one of the absolute best quarterbacks in the league, a generational talent, and a guy who has a lot of weapons around him because they did a great job of building that. Andy Reid did a great job of building that team up for the last couple of years through the draft, through free agency. Right. Awesome job. Made sense, so. What did we say when Nate said they were going to discuss contract extensions with him? That he needed to make sure he left enough on the table so that they are not devoid of weapons in a year or two or three. Yeah. He signed a 10-year, $500 million contract, $50 million. If the right. cap if, if the cap stays you know, at, at 180, 190, he's over 25%. Of the cap on a 53-man roster, which means Patrick Mahomes gets 25% of the cap, and the other 52 guys get to split the 75%. Okay, star quarterbacks make a lot of money, no problem. I would sign that contract too if I were him, without a doubt. No judgment. But there's going to come a time, and I'm not trying to be a downer. This has nothing to do with them not winning the other day. The Chiefs are going to be a good team for years to come. There's going to be a time when... Patrick Mahomes' contract becomes an albatross. It becomes a problem. Yeah, you re-sign him. Yeah, you re-sign Chris Jones. Yeah, you re-sign Travis Kelsey. Guess what? When you restructure a contract, you can push the money down the line or you know, do all sorts of magic tricks that make it not hit the cap as hard the first few years. Well, it does. And then, and then you pay for it. The receipts come. Eventually... You're the New Orleans Saints next year or the New England Patriots from this year. Yes. Like, it just happens. So I say all that to say, Russell, when you signed a contract where you made 35 to $40 million a year, at what point did you think you'd be able to maintain the Legion of Boom defense and, and at least a respectable offense year in and year out? I mean, come on. You know math, dude. You're not stupid. Russell Wilson's not a stupid man. He's a smart dude. And if he isn't, he at least owns a calculator. You're making He's making almost 20% of the cap, the projected cap from the upcoming season. The Seahawks have $4 million in cap room. And that's if it's – that's if it's at 180. If it's at 175, they're already over by $900,000. So – what personnel decisions are you going to make, Russell? What's it? What's in catering? I mean, I, when you make this kind of money, dude, you can't sit there and say, oh, I'm really tired of not having an offensive line. Well, if you made $25 million a year and not forty, you'd probably make up the rest in endorsements anyways and not be a pancake on the field because you were getting flattened by the defensive line every game. These guys want this big money. They don't realize how it affects them down the line, how it affects the team. And Russell Wilson, like I said, does a lot of real good stuff with that money. I'm not faulting him for taking the contract. I'm not trying to question his character, say he's a bad dude or anything like that. But uh, time and time again, time and time again, this is basic math. (laughs) Like, it, it, it... it doesn't make I don't I don't know how these guys continue to go out there 
and they get these monster contracts. They think the team's going to be good forever. That's why I was upset about different things when Brady left. Right. I wasn't really upset with him for leaving because of the money. He continued. He made good money. Don't get me wrong. Tom Brady's not going on food stamps anytime soon. Well, did you hear how much he made, though? For what? With incentives this year? Oh, quite a, yeah, quite a 20, bit. Tw- he, he made $28 million. Yeah. That still isn't... No. It doesn't touch what Russell made. No. What Aaron Rodgers made. It, it's... Your point is is right on. It's all about simple finances. Is You can only allocate so much money to each position. And if you don't take a step back and say, hey, do I really need $40 million? Or can I make, in, make it up in endorsements and product placement and other business ventures, let's say $28 million, and that money can go to a little bit better uh, left tackle. Uh, a better set of cornerbacks, a better linebacking core. You know, that's where the thought process has to come from because otherwise you're going it, to, it's going to be the same thing every, every time out. It's going to yep. be, why is, I, I hate to say this, and I know it's going to annoy a lot of people. Why is Tom Brady again in the Super Bowl? Because he's not taping, taking top dollar value. He takes a little bit off. Did he take? Is he still making money? Absolutely. Hand over fist, he's making money. But that, but that just makes your argument for you. Because he's he's not hurting. He's still making damn good money between right. endorsements and what's on the field, and they can have the talent around him. That's how the Patriots won all those years. Right. So I mean, even if somebody were to say. Oh, well, yeah, well, he's not getting paid pennies. Exactly. He's still making a ridiculously good living. Enough money in, in, in one year for five to ten lifetimes for most people listening to this show right now. And this team still has cap room to win. As good as – I think they have something like oh, – what do they have? Yeah, they, they have, have, a, tr- they have, they have a healthy chunk. They have a very plus. healthy cap. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Where is it? Da, 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 da. Buccaneers have, uh, if if it's a hundred and eighty million dollar cap, they have a little over uh, twenty eight million dollars in cap space. Now they do have some very high priced free agents uh, coming up, but they do. But that is what they, it is, right? They can figure it out, and some players always get a bump after a Super Bowl. It's just going to happen, but. You'll probably but see Shaquille Barrett leave and go make a monster contract somewhere, and maybe he'll live up to it. Maybe he won't. But and Godwin they, will know. probably leave, and they'll allocate the money elsewhere. But they can allocate the money elsewhere because they have their finances slotted in positions. And for and, and it's only for now because if you look at their 2022 roster, it's almost nobody's left. So they're going to be pretty much re- after next season, they're probably going to be hitting the reset button to the umpteenth degree because that's the way they structured it. And it's fine. They can do that. But but they're not also, uh, I think for Tampa Bay's sake, they're not going to have be on the hook for any dead cap carried over. Right. Whereas 
you know, the New England Patriots were this year. The New Orleans Saints are uh, this coming off season, and they're hurting big. And you're going to look at it, and maybe it'll happen to the Chiefs. Maybe it'll happen to the Seahawks. Maybe it'll happen to whoever uh, trades for Deshaun Watson. But it's just – I understand the level of this game and how much it takes a toll on them. And maybe it won't happen to the Chiefs. Maybe Andy Reid coaches 10 more years, and they continue to just make exceptionally good picks at all these positions so they can keep surviving off rookie contracts. Maybe it could happen. But if it doesn't, Patrick Mahomes can't come out in, in three or four years and go, why can you guys not give me any weapons? You got you to gotta sign somebody. Oh, Patrick, you're making a quarter of the salary, so you want to restructure? I'm not giving up any money. Okay, well, then keep tweeting, buddy. And I know he's yeah. not. I know he's not doing that. I'm not saying he is right. or even would. Just say, uh, for instance, like Wilson can't say I want 40 million a year, 35, 40 million a year, and then come out and be like, oh, "I wish I had some personnel decisions. I don't, I don't like how this offensive line is structured." Well, you kind of handcuff your organization when you're making that kind of money for one player, especially when it's getting a few years into the contract and the receipts of the easier early years are starting to get cashed in. And then you're going to have to figure out how to walk back your comments if that offensive line doesn't get changed. Right, exactly, yeah. And it's the same guys you've been playing with. It's going to be a little bit of a different conversation. All right, we've kind of talked about it throughout this episode. Yeah. Uh, so we'll finally get to it. Our last thing here on the docket, you have Super Bowl. <laughs> I said 55. Re- uh, yeah, review. Yeah, I got the right word. Oh, it's late, guys. It's late out there. Uh, we're recording much later than normal after a full day, so <laughs> we're uh, we're doing our best. But if we're a little out of it, give us cut us some slack. Uh, Bucks win, thirty-one to nine. I know last episode you said it was going to be a Chiefs win. Yep, I did. And I said Bucks by three. I did not mean three touchdowns. I meant points. I thought we were going to see a far more competitive game, and it was going to be won by a field goal at the end. Uh, this, I mean, besides when the Chiefs were up 3 nothing, this game was really never in doubt. The Bucks had them the whole way. So, unfortunately, I can't really speak too much to this game. Um, I had to work uh, because the podcast isn't at that point where it will pay my bills. Not yet, at least. If you're a sponsor, hit us up. <laughs> um, but I will say from what I saw... Um, highlights and commentary and i try not to go off of all the commentary uh, other than you know tom brady invented patriot way i guess is what i'm told look we don't gotta dig too deep into that i mean here's the thing tom brady's is and has proven his entire career absolutely awesome quarterback i think him going to another team and winning solidifies even more that he's not a system quarterback. Uh, Well, he is. But here's the thing. As I've said, anyone who knows me, I've said this forever, every great quarterback is a system quarterback. Because if you have a great quarterback and you're a halfway intelligent coach, you build the system around the player. Do you think the Ravens are anywhere near competitive if they don't alter that offense two off seasons ago? 
and Lamar Jackson isn't able to be Lamar Jackson, if they want to put Lamar Jackson back and have him throw 45 times, you think they win more than four to five games a year? Probably not. you got to build that offense around him. So is he a system player? Absolutely. The system they built around him. It's the same with Brady in New England. It's the same when he went down to Tampa. He knew what he could do. Bruce Arians, for all the crap I gave him about talking bad about Belichick a few weeks ago, and I stand by my words about uh, as far as all everything I said goes, uh, is not a stupid guy. He's not a stupid coach. I, d- I did say on several occasions while I was ripping him a new new one that uh, I do like Bruce Arians. Uh, he's smart enough to know what Brady can and can't do. And with no offseason, it took him a little while to, uh, you know, get acquainted and acclimated with his teammates. But once he did, they looked great. Uh, I didn't think they were going to be this good. I thought they were an 8-8 eight and eight team, maybe 9-7. and seven, And I was mistaken because that was my favorite team, not the team he went to. Um, but to say he was the entirety of the system is foolish. He was on this team last year. They were 12-4, and four, but they did not look great. They were 12-4 and four because they had a stellar defense. The offense didn't look awesome, even with Brady, because didn't have a lot of great offensive weapons. And then to put him on a team with insanely good offensive weapons and say, oh, see, it was all him, not the system. Well, wait, if it was all him, then why didn't he do it last year? And not to knock the guy, because he did it for years and years and years here in New England. So here in New England, like I'm actually in Gillette Stadium right now. You could be. You don't know that. Oh, I know I'm not. People listening don't, but I do. Um, it, it, it's just it. It's absurd how people. And I don't blame fans for this, by the way. I'm a, I'm a fan, just like anybody listening. I'm prone to those emotional outbursts too, where you love a player, you hate a player. So I don't fault fans. It's the no. It's a sports media, the mainstream sports media. And it's always whatever narrative they can justify in the previous five to ten days is what everyone's talking about. All of a sudden, Tom Brady was the system. Belichick has no idea what he's doing. Okay. I mean, there there is just countless situations uh, throughout the years that prove otherwise. Tom Brady got hurt, and I believe it was, what, 2008? Yep. Missed the entire season, with the exception of like three quarters, maybe two. They went eleven and five, missed the playoffs somehow. Won eleven and five. Brady wasn't even playing. This year, they had a lot of defensive stars opt out because of COVID. Every team had opt outs. Not making excuses. Next man up. You got to do what you got to do. But they had a lot of opt outs. Yeah. And they had to fill. They had essentially take the holes in the defense and chew up some bubble gum and, and fill in the holes with bubble gum to keep the water from sporting out of the tank. And sometimes it looked really good. Other times it was really noticeable. That was not the main defense uh, or quarterback left. And we had the, you know, we were going to go with Jared Stidham until Cam Newton signed real late. <laughs> and that looked good for a few weeks. And then it was kind of a one trick pony. There's only so many plays in the offense he could run effectively, and teams caught on, and it wasn't pretty. As poorly as the team did this year, they were 7-9, and nine, and they had the ball in their hands, five of those losses, in the last possession of the game, where they could have taken the lead if they scored. They didn't. That's not my point. My point is, 
This Patriots team didn't look like past Patriots teams. But to say that's just because Tom Brady left and ignore everything else is really crappy, lazy, and shoddy reporting. And uh, I challenge anyone who disagrees with me to call me out on that because I would love to have a debate with you. So So as we look at this, Chris, um, remember with everything I saw, it seemed like the pass rush of the Bucks is the, the true hero here in this game, if I'm understanding that correctly. Don't get me wrong, Brady had some nice throws, but my God, yeah, that bro- Patrick Mahomes could not get comfortable. Could not get comfortable. As mobile as he is, they were all over him. Uh, if, if he wasn't Patrick Mahomes, he would have had a couple of 20, 25-yard losses yes. on sacks because he was just – there were sometimes he was just straight up running backwards, and they were chasing him, and he somehow – I mean, there's 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 still still frame shots of him like almost vertical with the ground or horizontal with the ground, about a foot off the ground, throwing it 20 yards downfield uh, with his feet not even on the ground. I don't know how the guy does it, honestly. Uh, there's actually some uh, some video. Some of the Bucks receivers are mic'd up, and they're standing on the sideline going. I think it was Chris Godwin. Like, Holmes is a magician. That's it. That's all it is. <laughs> you can't convince <laughs> me he's not. Look at the guy. I mean, he's inc- he's incredible. The thing is, it just seemed to me like I've used this term a few times already this episode, so if I'm overdoing yep. it, I apologize. There is what I call receipt games. And what I mean by that is there's games where everything that's gone right over the past five games, six games, season, season and a half, two seasons, all of a sudden you get that all balled up and there's a big old receipt and you just don't play like you normally do. Things that go your way just don't go your way. Calls you normally get, you don't get. Uh, even have some bad penalties against you. And this was one of those games for the Chiefs at the worst possible time. If you had all the things you could say positive about this Chiefs team, and there's a lot of them because they're a fantastic team. If you told somebody that in a vacuum and then you just watched this game, mm-hmm. you would have gone, what the hell are you on? Because you just you didn't see it. It wasn't there. And it wasn't there because of the Bucks defense and pass rush. And, um, it was a dominating performance. I mean, uh, honestly, you, you, you always thought maybe a what if because yeah. it is Mahomes. But when you look back on it, it was never, ever close. Wow. Did, uh, did, did Barrett, I know we discussed this before, did he press himself out of Tampa Bay? I think he did before this game already, honestly. Okay, okay. I know I saw a couple highlights that, that he made some nice uh, pass rush plays, but um, I wasn't too sure if that was just a couple of highlights or that was continuous. Well, you see, I, I don't know, though, because what, what did Chris Jones sign? Chris Jones signed, a, what was it, a, a five-year for 45 or four for 45? So, some some huge. If, if Barrett's willing to do that, Tampa could bring him back and still have plenty of cap room to – you could bring back Barrett. You could bring back Chris Godwin. Um, they'd have to be different length contracts, structured differently, but you could do it. And then, but then, what do you do with Antonio Brown? What do you do with your running backs? Like, I think Barrett's a guy they need to bring back. 
because he just wor- he works within that system so well. And he really was a difference maker in this game. So I think Barrett would be more appealing because, like I discussed before, in 2022, there you have almost nobody left on right. that roster. So it all depends on where they build the team from. I think, no offense to Chris Godwin, I think Chris Godwin is top 10. And on a different team, he's a top five receiver. If they bring in back AB and they're bringing back Rob Gronkowski and they still have Cameron Bright and they keep OJ Howard and they have Evans, do they really need Chris Godwin? And they have Tyler Johnson and uh, the other kid. I can't remember his name. Uh, I don't remember his name. Uh, like uh, the, the, can't either. The old, the, the, like the Julian Edelman. Oh, Scotty Miller. Scotty Miller. Um, Do they really need Chris Godwin? And can they allocate that money to Shaquille Barrett? Knowing that he has longevity with the team after this offensive, I guess we can call it offensive juggernaut ceases to exist. I see your point. And I I think you're, you're hundred percent right. I know where you're going with that. I just think with them, you have to think you're going to need somebody to throw to when Brady leaves, retires. Uh, Evans is still very young. Yeah. And I mean, he said, you know, he said, you know, banged up a little bit, but I don't think he's had any major injuries. Uh, But I think it's a lot easier to rebuild your team. If you can come in and say, oh, we got two really good receivers. Mm-hmm. And Scotty Miller's great. Scotty Miller's not Chris Godwin. No. Um, in no disrespect, it's just Chris Godwin's exceptional. I think he's a top five receiver. And honestly, I really do. If he's not, he's he's on the outskirts, barely. So you kind of have to say to yourself, okay, do, do we give the money to Antonio Brown and take the chance he flips out again? Uh, we pay him. Or do we pay Chris Chris Godwin and keep him with Evans? And if Brown wants a big boy full-time contract, he's going to have to go elsewhere. Right. And know that because you know what you're getting with Chris Godwin. You know what you're getting with Mike Evans. Competitive guys, great players, not really any issues in the locker room that I can tell. Antonio Brown was really, really, really good this year because he knew this was his last chance if he messed up. And maybe right. this is who he is now. I don't know. I'm not in his head. But uh, past, past, uh, if the past proves anything to us. It's this. This he may be putting on an act, and you might see him sign a long term deal and then turn into crazy Antonio again. If you do, and you let Chris Godwin walk to keep that, oh, that's a hard one to swallow. I think it's all about surrounding Tom with as many weapons as possible. And I think this year was kind of that perfect storm. Cause I think, I think Rob needs a an extension as well. Um, is it going to be uh, astronomical? No, but no, he's got to know he, that too. He's not going to sit there and um, only ask for like 3 million or 4 million. He's going to want something significant. Honestly, but if I, I think, were them, I wouldn't give him more than that if I were them. I wouldn't either. 
Because they don't have to. Because he's already said he only plays with Tom Brady. So you want to come back? You sign for this, and you go sit and get retired. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. He showed his own hand. He gained leverage against the Patriots, but that leverage is now against him because go go somewhere else. Then Rob, if you're if you don't want to make you know sign this contract for whatever three and a half. But I think the appeal is surrounding Tom with as many weapons as possible and weapons that Tom's comfortable with, uh, i.e. A.B., Rob Gronkowski, paired with two exceptional receivers, paired with two young talents in Miller and, and Tyler Johnson. Not to discredit Ronald Jones or Cameron Brait. Or I, I, I keep going, Chris. There's just so many weapons there's well, only... Wait a minute, wait a minute. If he's just the system, just him pure and simple, why do you have to have that many weapons? I mean, do we want no, to... No, I'm just being sarcastic. I already went into that. And... I mean, he, he's... <laughs> I'm not discrediting them at... either. They, they had a great year. but Right, and at some point, that the, the miles per hour is going to come down. The accuracy is going to come down, and you may need all those weapons for Tom... I just think there's a chance. Well, last year with the Patriots proved they needed those weapons. Right. So we already know that. I mean, we do because we're realistic. The media doesn't because they haven't seen it in the last 20 minutes, so they don't know. No, no but... they're just going to ignore the fact that right. he has, at, at, at some point, he had three legit tight ends. He had, at any given time, four to five receivers, two starting running backs, and they tried to have LaShawn McCoy, but that didn't really pan out <laughs> hey Shady mcquay had two of his lowest output years of his career and he won rings back-to-back season so the man knows what he's doing i, I guess so i guess so wherever he goes uh, next year super bowl favorite let's sign him to a one-day contract to the patriots and see what happens so to, so to put a bow on this chris i know we're we're not gonna deep deep into it what do the chiefs do uh Honestly, if you're the Chiefs, it's going it, to – I look at it as a fan of football looking in and say, look, again, it's a receipt game. Every single thing that went right the last three years went wrong for us. And look, like I said to you when I was texting, people were saying – people who are not Tom Br- – I had more than one person texting me very upset about the penalties. Somehow Tom Brady's responsible for defensive penalties. I don't get it. But – Oh, it's the penalties, odds oh, the refs, oh, you know, this and that. And, and look, they, they were they were shaky calls. Uh, I didn't – they were kind of against uh, Tyron Matthew also. So I I kind of like to see loudmouth players get penalties against them. Yeah. Uh, not that he's not a great player. He is. But, um, but, I mean, you can blame a few penalties for it. Uh, you can also blame it on the Chiefs' lack of discipline. Because in the first half, they're barely putting up field goals, and the Bucks are putting up touchdowns. They don't know how to lose. This current incarnation of the Chiefs has been the bad boy on the block for the past three years. They don't know how to be that team that doesn't go in and just come back when they need to come back and dominate and win. And it really, really showed. Because there is a lot of... I blame the, some of those penalties. Some of them were questionable. Absolutely. Right. Uh, especially one of the holding penalties late in the first half. Uh, but 
a lot of it was lack of discipline from the Chiefs. They don't know how to lose. Uh, and that's okay. Look, that's not a damning thing. When you're a really good team, you're not used to it. It's tough. I remember, was it 09, 2000? I don't know. The Patriots had a, it was a, it was a regular season winning streak of like 22 games. They were just smoking everybody, destroying everybody. Wasn't even close. And they went into Pittsburgh on paper, a far superior team that year, uh, inferior team, excuse me, far inferior team that year. And Pittsburgh just beat the tar out of them. Wasn't even close. And then the Patriots went on to win the Super Bowl that year and look great. Beat Pittsburgh in the playoffs on the way there. Uh, good teams, great teams, dominant teams have team games like this once in a while where the other team just has their number and it can't yeah. do anything right. Sometimes, no matter how good you are, two plus two, you just can't get it to equal four. And this is one of those one of those games for the Chiefs. What do they do? Knock it in their own head. That's what they do. Okay. They don't get in their own head. They don't think, you know, and I don't think they will. They're a confident team. Andy Reid is an experienced, established coach. This is a guy who led an Eagles team to three NFC championships in a row. Uh, did they go to two and then not win and win one? And then they, or they go to three and then win one. I think it was. Uh-huh. Three, I don't know. Two or three. Went to a couple and didn't win. And you kind of got that stigma of we can't win. And then they did. Uh, there's no stigma of they can't. the Chiefs can't win because they already have last year. And as far as I know, they have all their big-time players going forward for at least the next year or two. Uh, unless somebody on that team is incredibly weak. Unless, as as you like to say, they don't have it between the years, then they're going to be fine. Get a good night's sleep. Stay healthy. Yeah. <laughs> don't put on too much weight in the off season. Uh, don't stay up too late watching Netflix, and you're probably going to win 14 games next year just because. <laughs> like, I don't. Yeah, if I was the Chiefs, I wouldn't worry. This just a game. The Bucks had their number. Uh, Chiefs will be back. They'll be fine. Um, but I don't think. Yeah, I don't think this is this is a case of just every the Bucks did everything right, and the Chiefs. Yeah. Just sometimes you don't have an answer. If if there was two things I would make uh, adjustments on, speaking right now, Sammy Watkins, see ya. Don't even don't no don't entertain a pay cut. Just you have no use on our team anymore. No, with Hardman and Robinson, they don't need him. And. I don't I don't want to indict Clyde Edwards Hilaire yet, but I do want to say he may need someone paired with him. He may be that third down receiving back because it just seems like he didn't have and I, again he it may have just been his rookie year right and, develop and build some muscle and have weapons, but. Maybe look at that running game that was non-existent because uh, that – it would help. I don't think it would help. It may not have helped this game, but it would absolutely help Patrick Mahomes not to take so many hits. And let's not forget also, as great as the Chiefs were this year, they had opt-outs too. Yeah. They had a big-time offensive lineman opt out because he was a doctor. He wanted yep. to stay in Canada and help people out with his medical degree. And good on him for that. Uh, and then they had uh, Damian Williams, who should have won the Super Bowl MVP last year. 
Yep. Who opted out because of COVID. I believe they had a few others as well. So this is a team that I'm not sure what Damian Williams' contract situation is, but this is a team that's going to get some players back as well as what they still have. And like you said, I think they can shed Sammy Watkins and be absolutely fine with Kelsey and Hill. And like I said, they don't need Watkins with uh, Robinson and uh, McCole Hardman. This team is going to be fine. They just went in and they got beat. Like, you know, the the old Mike Tyson phrase, everyone's got a plan to they get punched in the mouth. That's right. Chiefs plan to win all the time. Bucks hit him in the mouth. I think they're going to be just fine. Chiefs are going to respond fine. They'll, they'll come back and they'll be great. And Andy Reid and his uh, GM will find some diamond in the rough in the third or fourth sure. round. That's going to help them. I mean, that's where they found Harmon. That's where they found Robinson. Uh, Tyreek Hill fell a little bit because of his issues in college, but he was there to take. Um, you know, they gambled on Patrick Mahomes. I know he was a first-round pick, but they still gambled on him. Yeah, they got uh, a lot of grief for picking him where they did. Yeah, yeah. but and, it and worked out. I don't think Travis Kelsey was a, a high-round pick. So it, it's just a matter of just adding more assets. I just think that running game, and I, I maybe I harp too much on the running game, but I've seen enough teams this year just not have – a substantive, substantive running game. And I know the Bucks didn't have a great one, but, I mean, they had Fournette and Jones. I think that's enough there, plus the weapons they had on offense. And as you pointed out, that front four just – and the linebackers just dominated that, off, that offensive line. Yeah. Kelsey's um, a third-round pick. There you go. Um, I, I don't think and, – and this will be my warning to the league. You can take some pieces from the what the Bucks did, uh, but don't alter your entire franchise to have – to do the blueprint that the Bucks did because the Bucks did it because they have some interesting pieces on defense. They have a Shaquille Barrett. And let's not forget, White is – Top tier linebacker. He was a rookie of the year. Great coming out of college. You need you need a guy like that, i.e. Devin Bush. So just just do some things they, they did schematically, but I would not change your whole defense just because hey, look, this is what the Bucks did against the Chiefs. <laughs> we say that every year, and every year it happens. There's gonna be somebody who gets a guy who the Bucks probably considered a role player and way overpays him. That's how Desmond Howard yep. ended up getting a monster contract from the Raiders. Well, monster for that time. Now that's a that's a rookie contract these days. But back then it was a monster contract when he when the Packers beat the Pats in Super Bowl thirty one and he had that big kick return. <laughs> it's just all of a sudden he's signing a big contract with another team and it's like, wait, what? You guys know what you're getting, right? And but, I think uh also happens in the draft where Oh yeah. You get that influx. It's like, ooh, well, we need defensive ends. Well, then defensive ends rise up. And guess what? Not every defensive end is built equally. And I know that that offends a lot of people, but the truth is the truth. And don't overstretch either in free agency or in the draft just to get a bunch of defensive ends and hope that they're going to be 
Shaquille Barrett, that they're going to be white, that they're going to be, I, I guess for what he, what it's worth, Namakin Sue actually played pretty good too. He did. Yep. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm good. That's, 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 I, that's nothing else for me. I'm tired, man. I'm, I'm, that's I'm what out. I'm trying to come up with a good ending. And I'm just like, you know what? Just ask him if he's ready, and then we can just sign off. Yeah, I'm good, man. So, that apparently, after that awkward exchange, he's going to do it for episode 116. If you have any questions or comments on this episode, or any past episodes, or anything sports-related at all you'd like to ask Ben and I, we'd love to hear from you. And where can they get in touch with us? Well, you can hit us up on Twitter. That's at BCTSpod. Facebook, Ben and Chris Talk Sports, or the website, bctspod.com. All right. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for the support. I say it every episode, but uh, every episode, it's it's true. Downloads continue to increase, and we're we're not quite there yet, but we're getting to the outside of the conversation where we may be able to talk about potentially having a sponsor or two. Uh, That's because uh, you guys, you know, support us and spreading the word. Greatly appreciate it. Uh, if you feel so inclined and have not yet, you leave a rating and a review on whatever platform you listen to the show on. We mean a lot to us. And tell a friend. Like I say every episode, I only have one or two, but hopefully you have more. And you can tell them all about the show. We won't mind. For Ben, I am Chris. Please stay safe, stay healthy, and we will see you right back here next Wednesday. Thank you.